Hi, I'm Angel Halstead. I'm the senior pastor of Mosaic Community Church. And on behalf of our members and friends, we welcome you to our service today. Our church is filled with the beauty of diversity. And we dare to believe that God has called us together to benefit from one another, to learn from each other, and to support each other. And so as we worship God together, I want you to know that you are part of a beautiful tapestry, a mosaic that God is weaving together for the benefit of creation and for the full and complete worship of God. Enjoy the service today. This morning, we want to hear from you. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for heat and for snacks because quarantine would be pretty sad without snacks. Um, so drop a comment in the chat and let us know what you're thankful for.
Hi, I'm Pastor Angel Halstead. It is feeling like winter, and today is the day the Lord has made, and I choose to rejoice in it. I hope you do too. Good morning, Mosaic. Good morning, Mosaic. I am thankful for health this year. And so this year's Thanksgiving might seem a bit frivolous, if not pointless holiday, uh, especially when you take into account the holiday's horrendous beginnings and its origins. And if that wasn't enough, for the safety of everyone, during this pandemic, we are now advised not to mix households again. And so we cannot be with our nearest and dearest to eat, play and catch up with each other. And on top of that, they're going to have a virtual Macy's Day parade. I have images of CGI balloons and carts floating down 34th Street, not really there. And a Santa 
surrounded by plexiglass, and maybe even a hologram Al Roker. Thanksgiving, more like no Thanksgiving. And so that era of an opening, I think I'll just leave it there. <laughs> I'm just gonna kid. Um, I'm sorry, I wouldn't leave you like that. Um, no, I'm actually gonna be here talking about something we, we all struggle with. Gratitude, or as we should really call it, gratitude. Sorry, I'm not doing a Tony Tiger impression, but a growl. I think if you ask the majority of us, gratitude is really a hard concept for us to firstly receive, but also to give, especially, especially in these challenging times. It's very interesting, um, as being grateful and thankful uh, is drilled into us from a very early age learning our manners and saying thank you, thank you. A particular phrase comes to mind and I've caught myself saying this to my kids, particularly in a fit of frustration, is you should be grateful for the toys you have or the things you receive. And so it's meaning become a little warped. It can go two ways, guilt for what we have or guilt or judgment for what we don't have. And so when I was prepping for this talk, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole of research, looking into the human attitudes to gratitudes. And I came across these this amazing study on the effect of gratitude by a psychiatrist who was actually nicknamed the father of gratitude who made a career into researching gratitude. And his name was Dr. Eamon, sorry, Dr. Robert Eamon. And he was based at the University of California. And he defines gratitude as this. Gratitude is the affirmation of the goodness in one's life and the recognition to the, the sources of this goodness lies at least partially outside oneself. And he explains this by saying that it emerges from two stages of information processing. Affirming the good thing that we receive and recognizing the good things in our lives. Gratitude is the recognition that life owes me nothing. And the good that I have is a gift. And it's a response to all that has been given. And so it's foundationally and fundamentally a way of looking at life. Now, like I said earlier, it creates a slight gratitude kind of deficit disorder um, with three particular stumbling blocks that can prevent us from receiving and giving gratuity. The first being I deserve uh, a sort of sense of entitlement or privilege. Um, the second is being a compulsiveness to being self-reliant. So I did it all myself. And then the third being a bias towards negativity. There was so much wrong in the world, but also being combined with busyness or forgetfulness. And it keeps us from realizing, you know, what we have. Um, 
we also tend to be much better givers than receivers. And sometimes this is because we don't want to give back. Um, we don't feel worthy of receiving the benefits and generosity. Um, we don't want to feel indebted or we might be suspicious of the giver's motives. And so gratitude arises as we have real trouble, not only developing, but sustaining gratitude. And so in this talk, um, I want to sort of see how we can overcome those stumbling blocks um, that I mentioned earlier. And this is where Paul comes in. Paul was traveling and spreading the word of Jesus. Um, he was all over the gratitude thing. It was all over his letters, uh, and particularly a letter that was full of it was Philippians. And so I'm going to read Philippians verse four, uh, sorry, chapter four, verses two to nine. And I'll be reading the NLT version. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you dear friends, and you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Euodia and Sintichi, because you belong to the Lord. Settle your disagreement and I ask you to be my true partner to help these two women, for they have worked hard in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. And remember, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, and which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard you with your hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise and then keep putting aside and in, uh, putting into practice all you have learned and received from me everything you have heard from me and saw me doing then the god of peace will be with you and so i want to sort of link paul's letter uh, his final greetings to the three stumbling blocks that i spoke of earlier firstly i want to speak to our bias towards negativity and how much wrong there is in the world that affects our gratitude that can grind it down and Paul realized his readers lived in a world of uncertainty and the world hasn't really changed much apart from the technology that can possibly help us predict things like the economy like incoming storms or droughts or illnesses and then even still it's unpredictable and I feel that we've always lived in this tension that so much 
so that Jesus actually addressed it in his Sermon on the Mount when he said, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings the worries. Well, sorry, for tomorrow bring worries of its own. And today's troubles is enough for today. And so in this eternal pull between joy and worry, we are called for the life of thankfulness. In verse 4 and 5, Paul says in the translation that I read, the NLT version, the Lord is coming. And so in some other translations, it is written, the Lord is near. And I think while Paul is saying that Jesus is coming back, I think his actual meaning as well could is that Jesus is with us constantly. The Lord is near. He's here. He never lets us go. And whatever we might be struggling with, and it's an actual fulfillment of his promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. I was reflecting with some friends about the current this current time and what this situation has presented us as a family. Um, it made me realise that I have an incredible partner in my wife, Debbie, and three awesome kids. Um, Pre-COVID, we were in a good routine, but Debbie and I were sometimes like ships in the night with my DJing at weekends and youth work and Debbie working a full-time job during the week and the kids in preschool and kindergarten. And so the time that we did have together as a family, it was extremely precious and rare. And I think I also actually took Debbie for granted a little bit and took the whole thing for granted. So when COVID hit, my work stopped. And like everyone, uh, Debbie's job grew very uncertain. And so we just didn't know what was gonna happen. Um, I've, but one thing held me solid and you know over i realized it was that um daddy you know i i felt incredibly safe because debbie was my partner and my wife and she gave me strength because i knew i could talk to her when i was feeling scared um and worried about what was going to happen um because she was experiencing it too. And that gratefulness in each other gave us tremendous strength. And I think this is what Paul is saying about Jesus, because even though he knew what God's plan was for him, um, I cannot fathom how incredibly scary it must have been for Jesus. Um, and how uncertain it was because he was heading towards his death and what that would look like. Um, and so it's an extremely special gift and it's so comforting to have the presence of Jesus with us always. I believe it's a gift that enables us to live in an uncertain world with gratitude and thankfulness. I feel that leads me to the second point, 
where we can really struggle with gratitude is that compulsion to do it oneself or to be self-reliant. Um, if we were to compare ourselves to the rest of the world's living creatures, in this world, we as human beings are pretty, actually, extremely dependent, needy creatures. Um, to give you an extreme, there is a bird called the megapode. I think I'm pronouncing that right. A megapode, a chicken, which are chicken-like birds that are native to Eastern Australia. Um, now, they, when they are ready to lay eggs, they actually don't even incubate the eggs. Instead, they build a huge nest uh, which is made of rotting vegetation um, and it's actually the size of a car um, and they bury their eggs in these in these huge mounds and when the egg, egg is ready to hatch it the chick will hatch and it will just bolt off into the bush and is ready to fly 24 hours later no interaction with its parents oh if only my kids could do that I wouldn't have aged like I have uh, in this past year or so um, no we humans we're, we're, we're very different things um, we're obviously pretty helpless for the first few years of our lives um, and as such as the human condition at the end of our lives we are pretty dependent on others to take care of us too and so Maybe it's some of that that the, between infancy and, and our an old age that the bit in between we fight so hard to do things on our own. Life is about giving, receiving, and repaying. Paul says in verse five, "Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do." He is saying, "Let everyone see your gentleness, your thoughtfulness, and more importantly." You're forbearing. Not in showing it off in how well you can do it on your own. But sharing it. As I feel that something comforting and even remarkable, you know, about a person who is forbearing when needing help or in times of trouble, it causes others to sort of take notice and ask why someone should be this way. But also maybe, you know, want some of that. In verse 10, Paul thanks Philipp the Philippians for all they have done for him. Paul also, throughout his missions, had companions with him, helping him on his missions like Barnabas, Timothy, Silas, Onesimus. You know, he armed himself with people that could fortify him, that could strengthen him, that could also help him in his missions where he wasn't actually that strong in the areas of missions that he needed help in um now you're probably aware and you've probably heard of her this amazing author um and grounded theory research uh brene brown who again i couldn't really not mention because she heavily helped me and guided me in this talk she talks about vulnerability in gratitude because you'll find that people who are good practitioners of gratitude are always being vulnerable with others they don't really need to do it themselves and have actually more connection with empathy and as much as i want to teach my kids independence i still want them to be able to do things independently 
to always to be able to encourage them to ask them when help is needed but to always show their vulnerability because it will show their empathy and care for others as much as themselves and I've actually got myself into my biggest difficulties when I've been big-headed and tried to do it myself but I've had you know and this is because I don't want to look stupid or weak um, but I've had my biggest successes when I've had a great team or a person helping me. As Paul says in verse 6, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace for which exceeds anything. Then we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ alone. The final stumbling block that prevents us finding gratitude is the I deserve this or the privilege or the sense of entitlement. Now, this is a very easy one, but dangerous one to fall into. Both Dr. Amen and Brené Brown actually have spoken on this. Um, Dr. Amen says, Privilege without gratitude becomes entitlement, and entitlement is the enemy of gratitude. And Brené Brown says, what separates privilege and entitlement is gratitude. And so we as a church have been dealing with the power of privilege, and particularly the power of white privilege. And we fully know the damage and brokenness it has done. We are experiencing it right now. But I also want to look at all of us. We all have privilege over someone or some group. And when we recognise that privilege and apply gratitude to that privilege, our lives and their lives will become so much more and will change greatly. When gratitude comes, we have the opportunity to share that privilege. Um, I guess to illustrate what I mean and what Brennan Brown and, and Dr. Raymond mean is that I think a good example is we have all been through the education system at one time of our lives and have experienced many, many kinds of teachers. Um, it's heartbreaking to me as I watch my son uh, on online um, is that all these kids are not able to experience in person, um, you know, many reasons, but actually their relationship with the teacher. Um, now, I obviously don't want to paint broad strokes here, but there are so many teachers that use their position to the student by just giving them information, embarrassing them if they get it wrong, um, withholding it information you know, for misdemeanors, um, just for the sake of keeping that position and separate from that power of privilege, of knowledge. But there are teachers, and I've had a few, who have had a profound effect on me, where they get down on their knees. You know, maybe when I was a small kid or 
a bit older, and they would look me in the eye, and they would share that knowledge, and they would speak to me and ask for my opinion and hear me out, um, and my thoughts on that, whatever it was they were sharing, and, and they're interested in what I have to say. This made me feel valued, and they used their privilege to support me in my educational growth. And that has had a lasting impact and helped me to do the same when I was teaching kids. Gratitude takes us outside of ourselves, where we see ourselves as part of a larger, intricate network of sustaining relationships that are mutually shared. Gratitude is the truest approach to life. And so when we, when we, how, so, sorry, so how do we ap apply gratitude into our everyday lives. Paul in verse 9 says, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Gratitude is not a natural thing, as we've discovered. Gratitude or thanksgiving, it's an action word. It's a doing word. It needs a workout for it to work. Um, and so Paul says, keep putting into practice. Authentic gratitude is a very specific, um, and opportunities are always there. And you don't have to look very hard to find them. Um, but always be specific into why you are being grateful. As it stops gratitude fatigue and stops ta us taking them for granted. But it also recognises the giver's efforts. You know, it's more not necessarily this. It's more. It's a bit like, thank you for being a friend. It's not so much that, but more, thank you for being a friend who went shopping for me at Aldi and did my washing and came back and fed the kids and did all this stuff for me. Gratitude has the power to heal and energize and change lives. Dr. Amen, actually, in through his research, had very interesting, a few interesting discoveries. Um, he discovered actually that gratitude improves sleep and sleep quality, and so it actually made people less dysfunctional during the day, because obviously the importance of sleep and rest, and I guess a lesser reliance on coffee. And another one, which was interesting, was self-control, being more patient, which I think is lovely, as it lends into the verse 7. And then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Through gratitude, we will discover God's peace, because Jesus is with us. And we become more patient and more functional and more empathetic and much more open to share our gifts. Thank you for listening. And amen.
Good morning, Mosaic. This year, I'm thankful for music and how it brings us together. Good morning, Mosaic. This year, I am thankful for the health and safety of all of my loved ones. Hi. So just a few announcements for you. We are excited that the Christmas season is right around the corner. Our first Sunday of Advent is November 29th. So that's just maybe two weeks away. So we want everyone to get ready for that. So pull out your Advent candles, you know, and your wreaths and set them up so you and your kids can participate with us in setting up the can the, the um our Advent candles and having a meaningful service. We're gonna hold our services to just an hour so that our kids can be a part of it. We can watch and enjoy with one another this season and spread some holiday cheer. In addition, there are opportunities for us to help members of our community. Things have been really rough. People have lost jobs. And because they weren't working for so long at the beginning of COVID, they don't necessarily have the resources right now to help with the holidays. And we wanna be there for folks. So if you can spare $50 this Thanksgiving, it'll help us put together a basket of food for a family. Um, you can give by um, donating online and in the memo, just say Thanksgiving baskets. And then we have our annual gently used coats um, collection. So if you have coats around the house that you're not using anymore, toss them in the wash, send them to the cleaners, get them cleaned up and donate them. You can just contact us and let us know you have them. You can drop them off at the church. Um, and then next, for Christmas, some of our families need help and support. And if you can sponsor a family, uh, you can join another family in sponsoring a family. We're thinking between uh, $200 and $300 may help support a family uh, that doesn't have. And that way they can take care of their meal, they can provide coats or, you know, whatever things their kids need from hats and gloves or uh, toys, clothing that help this family, uh, a family get through this season. So as you have been given, we ask all of us that we would generously give. Again, you can do it online and simply put in the memo, Christmas gift or Christmas generosity. We appreciate it so much. And God bless you for giving. Lastly, let me check my list. Um, oh, we want to spread holiday cheer in our neighborhood. And, and that's a wonderful thing. And so since we can't, uh, be with his families the way we want to be with families. Then we want to extend that. And so we would like to decorate the foyer of the church and maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit outside, I don't know, um, to support, um, you know, lifting the spirit of our community. And so um, if you check your newsletter, there are instructions on the kids, uh, how the kids can participate in decorating ornaments, uh, and where they can get the ornaments and where you drop things off. This is really something that we can give as a, as a full church to our community. So I hope you choose to participate. Please check out the newsletter. Look at the big headings and work your way down to our decorations. We'd like to get them all back by, no, by December 1st so we can get everything up and decorated in the church. Um, and then people can pass by in the evening 
and uh, just smile. We want people to know that we're thinking of them, that we care, and that Jesus still is the reason for the season. We can celebrate God sustaining us through this hard time. Um, Jesus came to give us life, and that life in abundance. And so we can share that abundance with one another. God bless you, and thank you so much for your generosity. Bye-bye. Walter Bruegemann separates the Psalms into three sections, Psalms of orientation, of disorientation, and of reorientation. Psalms of disorientation are when things are not all right. In fact, it's very not right. And Psalms of reorientation are what we typically think of as Thanksgiving Psalms. And the psalm I'm reading today for our benediction is Psalm 73, which contains aspects of both of those. And I think it's descriptive of this moment where, if we think about it, there's a lot to be grateful for, but there's also a lot of work to be done. And in order to accomplish that work, we need to enter into the sanctuary of God, as we'll read. Psalm 73. 
Truly, God is good to the upright, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pain, their bodies are sound and sleek, they're not in trouble as others are, they're not plagued like other people, therefore pride is their necklace, violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes swell out with fatness, their hearts overflow with follies, they scoff and speak with malice, loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues range over the earth. Therefore the people turn and praise them and find no fault in them and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Such are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches, all in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and am punished every morning. If I had said, I will talk on in this way, I would have been untrue to the circle of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seems to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Truly, you, God, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. They're like a dream when one awakes. On awaking, you despise their phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was stupid and ignorant. I was like a brute beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me with honor. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire other than you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Indeed, those who are far from you will perish. You put an end to those who are false to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge to tell of all your works.